Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here this morning to teach your word. Father, as we look at your word, Father, just may it bring life to us. And Lord, uh, truly may we live as men that are worthy of the call that you've called us in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a handout on your, on your table there, and on the bottom of that handout are some things we're going to be talking about today. We're talking about the Proverbs 31 man. Now, if you know anything about Proverbs 31, it says nothing about man other than uh, Lemur. And uh, actually, that's the mother of Solomon, and she, she has some words for Solomon, and Solomon has some words for her. But other than that, it's really about women. Uh, a good woman who can find is how it starts out, and some of you have asked that same question, uh, men, um, but hopefully you got a good woman, and, and today we're going to talk about man and the importance of having uh, godly men, as similar to a Proverbs 31 man, because here's what we see in Scripture, that really a Proverbs 31 woman is being edified by God, and so I'm going to talk about being edified by God as a man today. And so I'm going to start here that uh, we're actually going to be in Psalm 112 because that's really the Proverbs 31 man. Last week we, talk about, we talked about a godly man fears the Lord and we brought up the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom and godly men have a godly fear and a respectful fear of God himself. Today we're going to take that, that scripture just and unpack it a little bit further. So if you have your Bibles, that comes out of Psalm 112. Psalm 112. And basically, this is a praise for a godly man. A godly man fears God for accepting uh, uh, the things of God. And so um, if you look at this, Psalm 112, so we covered 1 through 3 last week, and we'll go 4 through 6 this morning. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in dark, darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Now, uh, verse 4 and 5 is what we're going to focus on today. And that may throw a little bit of a curveball at you. This ought to be a pretty short message, but it's not. Because verse 4 and 5 is this. It's talking about a responsible man. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. What do you think is meant by that verse? You ever think, Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright. That those who are walking uprightly before the Lord, right, that, that whether they walk through darkness or light, that their light should shine. And there are ways that that light shines. Ways. And he goes on, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. So gracious, compassionate, and righteous should fall in line with who we are as a Proverbs 31 man or as a Psalm 112 man. All right, and those are good questions to ask. Am I gracious? Am I compassionate? Am I righteous? All right, now uh, it goes on to say, goodwill comes to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. So now he's moving on over. Now, I think it's, it's interesting that we, we talk about light for the upright. Light for the upright means this, blessed is the man who gets up in the morning. All right, not getting up in the evening, not getting up in the afternoon, not getting up at noon. I, I was watching an interview with some missionaries yesterday, and, 
and a couple of missionaries were uh, um, um, just simply being interviewed, and, and the pastor, he said, uh, I took the missionaries to eat, and it was my lunch, and it was their breakfast. You didn't get it. So, so um, and here's the thing, you know, you, you got to be careful. Missionaries raise their support. They go overseas. I'm not opposed to missions at all. Uh, in another time zone, that type of thing, he's probably referring to another time zone. I tend to think uh, you just need to get up and do ministry. There's just things to do, you know. Um, um, this morning I was at the gym at 4 o'clock. You can't tell it, but I was, right? And so uh, there's just this thing, there's this alarm clock that should tell us to get up and, and, and to move because that's being upright before the Lord and it's letting our light shine even in darkness. So uh, I believe just the upright do that very thing. Now, this is a sign of responsibility, Peter Drucker once said, the best way to predict the future is to create it. So if you want a different future, maybe the best thing you can do is create a different future. And, and the way we do that, if you don't like how you're living today, well, how about you change it today for your tomorrow, right? And, and so as, as you read Psalm 112, I believe when you get to verse 4 and 5, because he says in verse 5, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice, Conducting your affairs with justice means this, that you will be a responsible man. And this is a blessed man. A, a man of responsibility will be a man who is responsible with what God gives him. He does not have an expectation that the world will give him something. He believes that if he's going to have a different future, he's going to have to create it, which means he's going to have to get up and work for it. All right, now you don't have to work for your righteousness, that's a gift of God. You don't have to work for your salvation, that's a gift of God. However, those things should cause you to be a light in the darkness, which means you'll take responsibility with the salvation that you have. There's a lot of words there. <laughs> Anybody tracking? You got it. Let me, let me break that down. However, however is similar to the word but. All right, comma. When we want a different future, we have to step out and be willing to create it. And we have to be a light in the darkness. And one of the ways that you become a light in the darkness, listen, men, is to get up before the light comes up. Um, just take it back to Old Testament. And I've got a lot to cover this morning, so let me just, uh, let me just tell you, you know, um, the Lord fed the Israelites when? In the morning, right. When, when the dawn when the dew lifted from the field, when the dawn began to break, the dew lifts from the field, right? And so they were already up. They were ready to go. They were going to feed because the Lord was feeding at that time. And, and he, the quail came in the camp when? Right, right, in the evening, right? He fed at that time. Pay attention to those, those things. Even though it's Old Testament and even though it's, it's, a, uh, um, it's true, I believe it 100% that that's when the Lord fed. It's true for us today that there has to be something different about us in order to lead others to Jesus. And we, and, and we have to be responsible with what he's given us today so that our tomorrows are great futures. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, if you conduct your affairs with, affairs with justice, then you are a responsible person. If you open it, do what? Close it. If you turn it on, turn it off. If you unlock it, lock it up. If you start the fight, oh yeah, now you're tracking with me. 
because we're a bunch of men in here. Finish it, right? Now everybody's in. All right, there's, there's a list right there in front of you. That's, that's what's on the list. It's basically saying, if it's none of your business, don't ask questions. Stay out of it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> if it will brighten someone's day, then say it. If it will tarnish someone's reputation, then you might keep it to yourself. Right? Just be a responsible man. Because irresponsibility, listen, men, is not neutral. Irrespons- We're going to learn this real quick in our culture. France is learning it right now. It's this, irresponsibility is not neutral. It must be handled by someone. Someone's got to pick up the slack for irresponsibility. That's just how it works. When I don't take responsibility for the things that I'm responsible for, then guess what? Someone has to do it. And we were all created to be responsible. You are happiest when you are responsible. Responsible people, they don't need much regulation. You, you know, that's, that's, that's a great thing when you have an employee that you don't have to sit there and manage or micromanage, but they take responsibility and they just go. You know, what do you want to do with that employee? Probably make them your boss. But anyway, just kidding. Don't, don't take it that far, man. Right? But responsible people don't need much regulation. And as responsibility increases, the need for regulation decreases. And there was just one rule in the garden. Think about this for a moment. Now, now, responsible people, when I say don't need much regulation, as responsibility increases, the need for regulation decreases. This is just how it works. In the garden, there was just one rule. There weren't 500 rules. There wasn't a House of Representatives and a Congress and and a presidency, and, and you didn't have all this stuff making more and more rules, more and more rules. More. There was just one rule in the garden. And what was it? Don't eat of the tree. Just don't do that. Now, there were tons of responsibilities. You remember what the Lord told Adam when he moved him into the garden? What did he say? Other than uh, all you men heard this part, be fruitful and multiply. Right, you got that. Right, but he had other responsibilities too. He was to cultivate the garden, which includes all kinds of things. It means to keep it pure, keep the weeds out, pay attention to what's growing, right? Harvest when it's time to harvest. Do the things that cause things to grow. Hey, Joe, just saw you over there, man. Good to have you this morning. Do the things that cause you to grow, right? The other thing that, that, that he said was to keep the garden, which means to protect the garden, so in other words, pay attention to the boundaries. There's a lot of responsibilities. A lot of things going to be trying to come into the garden. you got to pay attention to it. Man, if you've been around me long enough, you know those are the two rules that, that I lay out before men all the time. Hey, are you cultivating your garden? Are you keeping your garden? Are you protecting your garden? Are you paying attention to what's happening in your household? Are you looking at the cracks in the walls? What are you building your walls with? What's your foundation? Is, is Jesus the, the solid rock that you stand on, that you've built your foundation on, right? Because there were a lot of responsibilities, but there was only one rule. There's only rule, just don't eat of that tree. See, your irresponsibility eventually becomes someone else's responsibility. If you ever, and I know you have, if you've been a Christian long, you've been walking with the Lord long, have you ever wondered what would it look like if Adam and Eve hadn't have taken a bite the fruit of that tree? What would today look like? Any of you got ideas? I'm curious. Nobody wants to talk about it. But, well, here's what it'd look like. See, in, in the beginning, God created, and in the book of Genesis, you have this beautiful picture of the Garden of Eden, of Eden. In the book of Revelation, you have another beautiful picture. What is that picture of? 
New Jersey? The New Jerusalem. Thank you. I thought you said New Jersey. I was like, man, where are you from? Now, you are up north, Lyle. <laughs> it's a beautiful state. <laughs> uh, let me see if I've got some ideas for New Jersey. I got several of them. Um, okay, the New Jerusalem. That's what we're trying to get to, right? We're trying, getting, it, it comes back to a place of peace and order and divinity with God. So it's a completion. It, you, you somewhat get to see the Garden of Eden being laid out differently. Of course, gold and fire and all these things because we're in the presence of God. But, but it's the place of God. It's a great place. But this in-between time is where we live. And, and what, what broke it down was someone's lack of responsibility, which causes all of us, by the way, to have to take responsibility for it. For Adam's lack of responsibility, we now work amongst the tares in the field i mean fruit doesn't grow on every vine a lot of times that vine is a weed right i mean we and we have to we have to really watch the garden today see the lack of someone's responsibility causes others to be responsible for it so when you look at psalm 112 and you look at this verse 5 good will come to those who are generous and lend freely the only way you can be generous and lend freely is if you have what? Access of something. And you may say, I don't have any money in the bank. Well, do you have gas in your tank? You can still lend, right? Somebody may need a ride. You may have had to pick someone up this morning and bring them here. You may know what I'm talking about. So you're able to take responsibility because as you've taken responsibility with your own life, you can be generous and you can be, be able to lend freely. And then you conduct, conduct your affairs with justice. You are just responsible in all areas. So, when we talk about responsibility, I have a few things here just to, to go over. Because if we practice these things, they'll lead us in harmony with God and one another for the mission of, of God and the kingdom of God. The, the first place of responsibility, men, that I see that possibly we lack, that we need to grow in, and, and this is speaking to me, Last week, I preached a message on, on prayer, and I talked about the six hand breaths makes a cubit. Some of you were here to hear that. And then, what's the seventh? The seventh hand is God, right? So man's number is six. I talked about Goliath, and Goliath was six and a half cubits tall. He had six fingers and six toes, which gives him the number of what? Six, six, six. I'm just messing with y'all. It, it, it really does. I mean, and I, and I do believe that, that God's intentional with that. I, I, I do believe it. he really is. Basically, what he's saying is this is the biggest demonic man thing that's out there. And, and the only way to defeat that is with something bigger. And that's where I talked about the strength in God's right hand. Hebrews and, geez, Colossians and Ephesians, uh, you know, the right hand of God Almighty. Um, some of you grew up saying the Apostles' Creed, right? And seated him at the right hand of God Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the what? The quick and the dead. All right, some of you know, know the Apostles' Creed. My whole point in that is, is, look, when we pray, when we men are responsible to pray, it activates the right hand of God. So what we cannot do, he comes in and does. Now, wouldn't it have been interesting if, if uh, 
let's just say that God spoke to Noah and he told Noah this. He said, Noah, I want you to build an ark, so many cubits, which he did, right? So many cu cubits big. Now, here's the thing. If Noah would have been irresponsible, he knew what a cubit was, but he could have said, you know what? I can cut my time in half if I do what? Call a cubit three hand breaths instead of what? Six. And, and, and he could have been irresponsible with that. Can you imagine, here's a man in the desert building this humongous ark, right? And people coming by, picking on him, making fun of him, doing all these things, but he still has an ear for the Lord. He's still praying, all right, Lord, this is what you want, and I'm going to lay down the six hand breaths, and I'm going to continue to be in conversation with you because I know the seventh is what? God will make it rain. Noah can't make it rain. But God can make it rain. Then everybody wanted on that ship. But they couldn't, they couldn't get on it. You know, think of it this way. I didn't share this Sunday. But this is what happens to me as I was driving back from uh, wherever I was. Wade was with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, Wade and I were talking about the, the message coming back from Tulia Sunday night. And uh, um, Wade said, uh, I said, Wade, how many times did the people march around Jericho? Was it six or was it seven? They went six, and on the seventh, the walls did what? Came tumbling down. So what man can do, then the, then, then the right hand of God comes in. So, man, I would say that our first step in responsibility, before we take a step out and say, hey, I'm going to go be responsible with my life, I'm going to be responsible with my wife, I'm going to be responsible with my children, I'm going to make breakfast this morning, I'm going to do things different, before we do all of that, probably the first thing that we should do is go to the Lord in prayer to be responsible in hearing and communicating with the God who created us in Matthew 9 36 seeing the people he felt compassion for them speaking of Jesus because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech, in other words, pray, seek out the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. In other words, pray to the Lord for those that, that you can encourage to send them out and do the work of the Lord. See, there, there are thousands of people who are distressed and dispirited like sheep without a she shepherd. And God loves these people and says that they are ready to receive him if we would just work to see them gathered up and give them some instruction. If we would hear the Lord just speak to us. Man, there's not one of us that still today is not vulnerable to the, to the wolf. There's not one of us. We might think that we're fortified. We might think, well, he's a preacher. Surely he's got it all figured out. No, there, there's danger at the door. And I've got to seek the Lord and ask the Lord to fortify me and strengthen me just like you need that as well. Every person needs it. But here's the thing. We've got a world out there that doesn't even know how to do it. And it's our job to be responsible and help them. If I could tell you or teach you anything, there's two things that I would leave you with. One is read your Bible. The second is pray. That's it. That's what I'd leave you with. So, Second thing I'd say is learn, learn to invite people into a relationship with God. That is being responsible. Now, what does that look like? That doesn't mean you go out 
you know, uh, here a while back, it's probably been a year ago now, but um, we had the bullhorn preacher in Canyon. Any of you see him? I kind of love that man because at least he's passionate about it. You know, he's, he's out there on the bullhorn and he's, he's on 23rd and what is that, 18th right there. And, and he's standing on that corner and he's got a bullhorn, man. He's preaching it, boy. He's telling people. And he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's just yelling, you know. So I pull up there and Allison's in the passenger seat. And, you know, she's kind of watching him, but she doesn't want to look at him, make eye contact. So I just roll her window down. That's what I love about electric windows, you know. And she's like, stop it, stop it. And she's trying to sink down, you know. And, and I'm like, hey, tell my wife right here. Here she is, you know. So I'm bullhorning him back. And that man's just preaching to her. He's just lighting it up, you know. Anyway, I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage you to do that. I should have been listening to the Lord a little better. But I would say this. You know, I don't know if he's, if he's invitational or not. But he is passionate about what he does. I, I, it sounds like I'm, I'm picking on him. I'm really not. Everybody's call looks a little bit different. I know what he's doing. You know, he's going into the street corners everywhere. He's preaching and inviting people to the table. We, too, should have an invitation about us. Whatever we do, wherever we go, being responsible is being at a place where we have enough to invite others to be a part of it. Now, if you look at this, remember, he said, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. That means that they should always be willing to give an invitation out of their abundance. Are you filled up today? Is it overflowing? If it is, there'll be an invitation come from you. That's just being responsible. Luke 14, 23, and the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges, compel them to come in so that, the, so that my house may be filled. You know, I, I'm sometimes a little too bold, and I feel like sometimes people tend to, to leave us because the preaching is a little bit over the top in some areas. And I get it. I get it because Sunday I said something. I don't know if any of you caught it, but Sunday I said, um, I believe if we, or I said we are not a house of prayer yet because there are still empty seats in this house. I mean, let's be honest, if we were praying for our neighbor, next door neighbor, and we earnestly sought the Lord on their behalf, at some point in time, there's going to be an invitation. God is faithful, man. I harbor anger sometimes, uh, frustration with people, um, broken promises, uh, um, you know, just, just being a pastor, there's a lot of promises given. Even from me, I get a harbor things towards myself because I meant to go by and get this one visited or I didn't see this one in the hospital, whatever it may be, right? And, and, and what happens if I'm in that place of lack, I don't have enough, I'm not in abundance to ask someone to come and be a part of what I'm doing. But if I'll humble myself and pray and, and as the Lord fills me, here's what happens. There's an invitation. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. So uh, we've been praying for, Bobby, how long have we been praying? Two years for 200 men? At least two years for 200 men at Brave Hearts. We've been praying for that. Why? So that men will learn to give an invitation. So that men will leave this uh, verse 4, right? We'll, we'll understand what verse 4 and what five, verse 5 mean. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. Let's keep going. I need to get through this. Only got six more pages. Y'all stay with me. I'm just kidding. I don't have that much. So here's the thing. Inviting and simply putting our prayer to practice. One of our goals is to equip every member of our church to effectively reach out to people 
in this community. I heard a, a church yesterday here in Amarillo whose goal, and it's interesting because I don't even think they run four or 500 on Sunday, and one of their goals is to send 250 people within the next five years to short-term mission trips. I thought, wow, that's a good goal. So you'll probably see that come up. But anyway, um, you know, you read, you watch what others do, and then you do it too. Okay. Um, but, but it's necessary to fulfill a vision, right, to, to compel others to come, to, to give them an invitation to come into life. And that's so important that each one of us learns how to do that. So our prayer life should actually take us to this place. Oh, there we go. I should just turn it over. Should actually take, it, take us to this place of invitation, of invitation. Because we're going, to be, we're going to be offering, we're going to be generous, and we're going to lend freely. And then I just want to end here. Those who conduct their affairs with justice. Sometimes when we uh, are justice-minded, Men, that means that we're pretty black and white. And by the way, most men are black and white, and most women uh, are mosaic. No, most women, I, I'm not even going to say what most women are. I'm going to say this, that, that sometimes we're a little bit too black and white in, in some areas. And because of that, we tend to say, hey, I'm just conducting my affairs with justice. Well, with justice means grace. Grace. Now, I've, I've given you the number of man on Sunday. The number of man is six. The, in, in the Hebrew culture, the number seven is the number of God. All right? Now, this is interesting because any of you know what the number five is in the Hebrew culture? Now, it's just a test, right? The, that's good. Did you do that, J.R.? That's a darn miracle, right? Somebody give me a pencil. I'm writing that down today on, well, I can't even see my watch. On Tuesday, the 3rd of December, everyone at Bravehearts experienced a miracle. J.R. got the question right. Just kidding. Normally, J.R. says, Jesus. Uh, oh, it's the 4th. Oh, never mind. Oh, today's the 4th. <laughs> I was trying to see that little number in there, and I couldn't make it out. Anyway, so um, good job, J.R. That's right. That's right. Grace is the number five. And so when you conduct your affairs with justice, here's what happens. We cannot leave out grace because had we, had we not received grace in Jesus, right, none of us would be justified. None. Now what grace allows us to do to live as men of justice, it helps us to see, let's just be honest, sometimes we say that person's in the position that person sleeping in the bed they made. Maybe you've not said that expression, but you've said, hey, they created their position. They created the, the, the mud pit because they just kept spraying water into the dirt. And they refused to get out of that. So they're just wallowing in the mud hole that they created, right? And, and for men, a lot of times that's how we are. We're, we're very black and white in that way. But what, what we have to remember is that we are all only justified through the blood of the lamb that's it and that's called mercy that's number five grace and mercy grace and mercy will follow what follow me all the days of my life it's really not exactly the end of the 23rd psalm but it's pretty close and and so when you look at this um and when you look at others we have to ask through our prayer life so look we we've gone through prayer prayer leads us to invitation and invitation is easier 
when we understand grace. When we're, when we're doing our affairs in justice, now watch, the way God would want us to. Not the way we would want to. Now, I agree that sometimes uh, um, if people break the law, they ought to be held accountable for the offense. Not, I'm not running from that. I don't want you guys to hear that. But I want you to know that every soul, no matter how liberal, no matter how conservative, no matter the color, no matter any of the, every soul is valuable to Jesus. For God so loved the world that he offered his mercy through the blood of his sons. And we cannot forget that. That makes our prayer life stronger. It helps us to give invitation. And it helps us to see the world as God sees the world. Make sense? There's some questions in front of you. I'll close this in a word of prayer. And then you guys are free to discuss. Dear Jesus, I thank you, Father, for your word. It's true. It teaches us, Father, if, if we want to predict a great future for this country, for this church, for our homes, then, Lord, help us to create it in you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen.